Hey, Halloween hounds. Uh, welcome to Hey, All You Zombies. Uh, it's appropriate that you're here uh, because, as you know, we're getting close to Halloween. We're not quite there. I think we can squeeze in one more episode before the day actually hits. But we're talking about sort of all things Halloween. We have been all October. Uh, last week, we talked about superstitions. Uh, we've uh, been comparing monsters all month. Chris Abel, who's on the other end of the line here, has a creepy new friend with him, uh, which uh, seems to me to be perfectly in line with Halloween as well. So uh, you've come to the right place if you're curious at all about uh, things that are oogie and creepy. Yeah, curious yeah. is definitely a good word. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, here's the thing. Like last week, we were talking about superstitions a little bit. And uh, I'm from the East Coast, and we, we, we discussed this for the last two weeks, but I'm a little bit more superstitious, I guess, than I would uh, openly admit usually. I've come out of the closet superstition-wise. Uh, and, and so many of the superstitions that we talk about have to do with uh, death and dying and sort of images of death. So, you know, sailors, for instance, and we talked about this last week, uh, only ever wear white mittens. Uh, you know, years ago, maybe it's still true today, only ever wear white mittens when they're out at sea because if you wear gray ones or black ones, they're too much like the ones that Undertaker's wore, and that would sort of, you know, suggest that you were inviting the Undertaker along. And then I started just having a poke around my house a little bit and just sort of seeing what kind of odd things that I have in my house that I take completely for granted that possibly might freak you know, people out, and maybe, you know, uh, 50 or 100 years ago might have been considered to be very bad luck. One of the things that was most obvious was this, and it's a <laughs> bottle of vodka that sits on my bar in the shape of a skull, mm -hmm. and uh, this is uh, Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Head Vodka, and I thought, this is like, now this is a marketing ploy. Now this is, you know, a, a sort of a, a cool way to sell a bottle of booze. But, you know, there was a time, not even all that long ago, when you never would have packaged booze in uh, something that had sort of a, a connection to death or dying or horror of any kind, because, of course, you know, you drink too much and possibly you could die. So there's that. Um, over here in my shelf, there's another skull over here in my shelf that I don't, even oh, really, nice. I don't even really see anymore when I look over there because I've had it since I was about five years old. My brother, it's a marble skull that my brother bought back uh, from Italy for me years ago. And so I just started having a look around. I thought, wow, like, you know, if you were to transplant a Nova Scotian into my home here, uh, you know, from 100 years ago, they, would, uh, they couldn't stay. They wouldn't be able to stay. They'd be like screaming at my skull, my crystal skulls, and, and uh, I think it might uh, I might uh, do uh, superstitious people some real harm to come visit me in my home. Well, I mean, it, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that you're more superstitious than normal or average. You're willing to talk about it, but most of the people that I've met and uh, have conversations with, they, there are things they may not even realize. It's just sort of little niggling right. things that they they will avoid or or, or, or simply not do. Uh, you know, there are some people who uh, I've heard, actually, you know, when you first started working at uh, CTV, there were a lot of people who commented on they weren't sure about you as a character when you first showed up because you were mm -hmm. kind of different and weird. Uh, yes, you wore a suit and tie, but, you know, what's with the, 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 the gel and the hair and the, right. the funky glasses? No one really kind of had a reference point for a person like you that they'd ever met before, so they weren't sure if they could trust you at first. There's that right. kind of thing that's going on, you know? I uh, scare the people. 
you do sometimes. But it was it was very interesting to me to have a look because again, you know, because of the superstitious thing, uh, there were so, there are so many uh, of them that are related directly to these kind of things that now we look at as uh, just you know kind of weird decorative cool items to have in your home. Anyway. Yeah. No, very that's cool. My, that's my my update. Uh, my my weekly superstition update. <laughs> now, could you could you ever get to the point where you'd have a real uh, skull in your home? Is that would that cross a line? Yeah, that would cross a line with me. That's not <laughs> interesting to me. I mean, you know, I know that that uh, and you know, we talked about Obscura, the 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 mm -hmm. shop Obscura that sells things like that, human hands and that kind of thing. Now, I don't think that I need a, a real human skull in my home. I'm I'm happy to have my weird little effigies of of human skulls, but I don't need a real one. No, no, no. I'm shaking my <laughs> head in distaste. No. Okay. I could only ever think, I would look at this thing constantly. I know I would. And I would try and imagine who it was before. Mm. You know, how did it die? How did they die? It wouldn't just be a, a, an item in my home. It would become, I know, a point of obsession for me. Well, and there's something interesting about it in that um, I got to, to go to one of the Royal Inter Museum's night, Friday night parties. And right. on one of the floors, they actually had a, a table full of skulls and bone parts and animal parts right. that you could go up and get a hands-on experience. And I was drawn to it because on that table, they had skulls that were created by a company called Bone Clones. <laughs> right. <laughs> bone Clones creates artificial replicas of, of skulls. And looking at it online, the replicas look pretty, really good. I mean, if you right. were kind of wary about it, that might be the way to go, even though they're very, very expensive. Well, I got a chance to hold uh, a real skull in one hand and a bone clone in the other. Really? And they really, in terms of touch, are night and day. One really? is just, it feels like a, a plastic model airplane that maybe right. somebody put together from parts. And the other thing, is, is just real material. I mean, yeah. the thing about it is that it's organic material, so you almost get a sense of life from it. So it really is a dramatic change between the two materials in terms of touch. Whether you want something that has a life force to it sitting on your bookshelf, that's, you know, maybe yeah. the whole question too. I mean, I just don't think that they're decorative items. You know what I mean? Like a real skull is not a decorative item. I'm not going to put it next to, uh, you know, the other tchotchkes that I have, you know, up on the bookshelf here somewhere. And I have, you know, weirdly enough, I have, you know, things that are, are uh, similar, like things that are a little odd. Here, let me step away for a moment and grab sure. two things that I can see just uh, from sitting right here. <laughs> These are two items that uh, have uh, been with me. One's been with me for a long time. I've, I've had uh, this one. Uh, this is a little a skull, a little marble skull that I've had for, you know, over 40 years. I've had this for a very long time. And uh, it came from Italy, my brother. Now, I don't think it's a real skull. I know it's not. It's a little marble no. skull. But uh, maybe it's a monkey skull. I don't know. But it's pretty cool. It's got, like, the, the, the suturing marks in it and everything. It's, uh -huh. it's very cool. Anyway, so there's that. And then there's this thing, uh, which has also been on my show. It's a little, it's a baby doll head with a horn. And that's been up there for a very long time as well. So these are two things that I enjoy having around very much, but uh, they, they have no life force. They are just small decorative items that I enjoy they're, having. There's someone's imagination, right? There's someone's than, imagination yeah. than their actual real, the thing that used to hold their imagination. In real life, the skull, yeah. But still, that's quite something to have 
when you're five years old. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what he was thinking when he brought me this back. I, I have a feeling that he probably brought it back from for himself. And I went, oh, it's really cool. I want that. And he reluctantly gave it to me. But And it's been with me ever since. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I guess I should talk about yeah. uh, Lloyd yeah. here. Uh, I don't actually have a name for him. I should uh, ask people Schmedley. to come up with a Schmedley, Schmedley, I think, yes. Are you a Schmedley? Um, Schmedley is uh, a piece of animatronics that I have. He is, uh, hold on here, I'll make him come alive. I do hope I'll not have to clean up after anybody tonight. And I do mean anybody. There you go. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so he's, you know, I'll get him to do it again. As I understand the master is indisposed at the moment. Please be patient, as it's quite difficult to dispose of certain things these days. Wow. <laughs> He's got that uh, Alfred Hitchcock kind of yeah. timbre and tone to it. It's very nice. cool. And, and so is this in your home uh, all the time, or is this something that you've uh, just uh, purchased for the, prod for the podcast? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> he's been with me for probably about three years. Really? Um, mainly stuck away in a storage locker. Right. And See, I, I don't I, feel like such a weirdo for having this on the shelf anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or this on the bar, you know? Well, I, like, I am fascinated by robotics and animatronics. Right. I just have not been in the position to kind of get the kind of animatronics that I would right. love to have. Right, right, right. Um, there, you know, the, the automaton that was featured in Hugo, for example, the movie, right. that kind of stuff I love. But you're talking about $28,000 for yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this guy, he's about three hundred, right. And um, so I, when I acquired him, uh, it was mainly to use for, for one year for Halloween. Right. And I wasn't sure what to do with him, so I put him in my storage locker. And I just recently thought I'd bring him out for Hey All You Zombies, because uh, he's been hiding there too long. Well, and welcome. in my mind... Yeah. <laughs> well, in my mind, I thought maybe it's time to dispose of them, to, to move on. I've been getting rid of uh, a number of my Halloween stuff. No, no, and no. I them in, and he's really cool. <laughs> no, you don't. No, 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 no. You don't get rid of a big toy like that, man. I, I you know, I mean, listen, I've lugged this around for 40 years. It's not quite the same, but you can, he, he's got another good few years left in him. Oh, like I agree. That. I mean, uh, the thing about him is he has a sensor built into his chest. Right. So as uh, you walk by, him. he speaks? Correct, yeah. Right. The, 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 the concept behind this guy is that if you're throwing a party, you put right. this at the front. Uh, he holds a tray, which is just below the camera. Right. And you put maybe a little greeting card or something like that, or treats. And as people reach out to get it, then he would come alive. I've got a little switch here that I can turn on. Please, take one of my treats here. True, they are bad for your head. But then again, so is upsetting me. Ooh. Yeah. So he's got lots he's got, of phrases. His skin is pretty cool. He sort of reminds me, he's got kind of an Uncle Fester thing happening. Yeah. As well. Yeah. <laughs> very, very creepy. The eyes glow up. Uh, so if you, you dim the lights down, it really kind of uh, glows in embers. But I brought him out so that he could help me with something here. Okay. Um, so here on his little tray, yes. he's brought me some zombie takeout. Zombie takeout. takeout. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's excellent with the eye. That's all right. I like that. Yeah. Uh, this I got at the Toronto Zombie Walk. Right. Uh, this right. past Saturday, I went to the the Zombie Walk. It was pretty cool. Um, you know, it's it's 
it's funny, I, I tend to feel like it's a bit of an aimless event, but then that kind of makes sense when everybody's sort of just wandering around as a bit of a zombie. Yeah. But it was I mean, cool, you, and then I saw some... I mean, <laughs> you, you can't have a very, you know, I mean, th there has to be some organization, obviously, otherwise you just have thousands of people. But, I mean, the idea of it is to be sort of freeform and ambling and sort of shamble around the place a little bit, I think. Otherwise, it's not a zombie yeah. walk. It's an organized, no. uh, you know, walk of, I don't know. Uh, what other kind of monster is really organized? I don't know. None, probably. Well, I mean, it gets thousands of people to coming out. And yeah. I guess part of it is that it's so accessible because it's the equivalent of, of being a ghost. All you got to do is get some old clothes, rip them up, right. cover yourself in white paint and fake blood, and you can then wander around Queen Street going, right. uh, But there were a handful of people that did an amazing job coming out with different costumes. And there were lots of vendors that had little tents and bands up on stage. Cool. And um, walking around, I found one of the little vendors, and they were selling these uh, zombie takeout boxes. That's awesome. And I just wanted the box. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I said, you know, how much is that? Yeah. Uh, of course, there's stuff that's inside, and I have no idea what's in here. I thought it would wait, and, uh, we, you know, together could open oh. it and see just exactly what somebody has put together. Well, let's do it. As a little package. And I paid um, $7 for this. Okay. So you can help me decide, was it worth my $7? All right. All right. I kind of think so just because of the box, but uh, we'll find out here. So I got my, my chopsticks. Yeah. Yeah. I open up my little takeout here. Oops. Look in the box, which is not a good sign. I've, I've, uh, I've been watching. I watched the last two episodes back-to-back uh, -back of The Walking Dead. <gasps> the two most violent hours of television that I've ever seen, I think. It's nothing but headshots and, and killing people and zombies. The last two hours. It's, I, I can't imagine what the body count was, but it has to be in the triple digits. I haven't I seen it yet. The last two hours. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there was a big complaint that uh, the last season. That they didn't kill enough zombies. Yeah, that it was the Talking Dead. That's yeah. what people kind of joked around. Yeah. So be, I, I've made a promise not to watch it until somebody else can watch it. So uh, okay. I get to see them. But I will. all right. Well, let's see what you've got in here. Well, first we've got a collection of dismembered fingers. Oh, nice. That's kind of nice. Yeah. I don't know right. if if though actually it looks like lady fingers based yeah. on the the nails. Yeah, the nail. Um, yeah. And we got some bone, and I'm not sure if that's edible, but we'll Just put, put that, that over there. There's actually. Um, Looks like it's plastic. It's probably yeah. just a, a plastic prop. So I got three. Oh, two fingers and a thumb. Oh so, well. Now you can you, you you can hold things now. You can you've got oh. the thumb and a finger. You can pinch. All right, this which looks like it's some kind of gelatinous worm. I'm not quite sure what it is. A maggot. It's a maggot of some sort. It's a maggot. Yeah. Right. Zombie it's a maggot. sticky maggot. It's like a gummy maggot. Or something. Uh, okay. Actually, there's a bunch of them in here. They're crawling around. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, maybe I should have opened this box earlier. Who knows what's in here? All right. So then we've got an eyeball lollipop. Oh, nice, nice. That's kind of yeah. nice. Yeah, that's all right. I like that. Lucking to suck on somebody's eyeball. I, li I like that. It's sort of like bulging. It's a bulging eyeball too. <laughs> um, and some ping pong ball eyeballs. That's cool. I like that. Maybe you could play um, beer pong with it. Yeah, so a zombie yeah. version of yeah. beer pong. That's Halloween cool. pong. Yeah. There's two of them in there. Uh, what have we got? We got a bone. Yeah. A uh, plastic bone. A plastic bone. Cool. I don't know. What... Although it's got a hole in it, so it looks like it belongs to something else. Right. Right. That you fit it together with something. 
It seems unusual to me that they're selling this at a food truck, though. It all seems to be uh, <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Um, practices. Another eye, maybe, like a little ball, like, right? Is that a ball? Yeah, ball that you would down. Yeah, like down. a Super Bowl. Yep. There you go. This looks like it's edible. It's uh, some sort of uh, gummy finger, right. separate yep. toe yep. kind of. There's one. There's two or three more of those. Right. That's not bad. And then what have we got here? Oh, a button. What does the button say? Uh, not dead yet. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, more maggots. Oh. oh gosh, I'm gonna have to surprise somebody with those maggots. Yeah. Put them in their their you know rice pudding or something. Yeah. Well, listen, I uh, for seven bucks, I think that's an ooh and a, yeah, like a, 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 a temporary tattoo. Yeah. yeah. Temporary tattoo, and then we got some zombie stickers. Well, come on, this is uh, for seven bucks. I'd pay seven bucks for that sticker alone. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Okay, so I, I I don't know. There wasn't a specific company selling it. This was somebody who, with loving care, put it together and was selling this at the, the zombie walk. Pretty cool. Good, I, I love it. The box, because uh, I can tell that someone has taken the time to actually make this themselves right. and actually, as stickers, put them on, sort of cut yeah. them out. So I, I knew because of the love and care in the box that it was probably a really good deal. Yeah. Uh, Don't buy it if you're hungry, but uh, buy it for just entertainment's sake, entertainment value. Well, a good purchase to make before Halloween. So now right. I've got some extra props and stuff. Right. Uh, well, so uh, if you're to cap, we've been going to run short on friends around here. Probably. Well, now if you're if you're thinking about Halloween and who isn't, um, there's a, I, I've got a number of ideas for costumes, and I'm going to start uh, with some ideas for your pets. And listen, I have to tell you that I'm not sure that I completely agree with dressing your pets up in you know silly costumes, but you know, listen. If it's already done and there's photographs of it out there, I'm going to show them to you. <laughs> These animals aren't suffering anymore, you know, but uh, their dignity may have been bruised a little bit. But I always uh, find that uh, little dogs dressed up as other animals are hilarious. So here you have a walrus, uh, little, a little terrier of some sort, like a little pug of some sort. Jack, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that. You know, maybe Jack also, yeah, maybe so. Boston uh, Terrier. Boston Terrier, that's what it is. Anyway, excellent work there. Um, this one, I just thought it was really odd. Let me find it here. This one, uh, just kind of a weird, uh, just a weird picture. And like, it's sort of an old timey kind of thing. You know, when you go to the fair, sometimes you get your picture taken in sort of old fashioned get ups. That's what this reminds me of. The dog doesn't look overly happy about it, but you know, it's a pretty cool little picture. Um, if you're if you're looking uh, to uh, sort of go a different route, you know, if you're thinking about, uh, I don't know, the superhero movies that have been out here lately, and who doesn't love Superman? Why not go for something like this? It's a cat dressed up as Superman. It's Super Cat, which I think is quite awesome. Now it looks, you know, that those are obviously the. The cat's front paws in the front and stuff. So this cat's not, you know, being forced to stand up and walk around on his hind legs or anything. But that's an excellent picture. And then, who isn't a Star Wars fan or a Star Trek fan, really? Um, so I thought <laughs> this, oh. you know, there's just, you know, pugs. Who doesn't love a pug? Who doesn't like Star Trek? Everybody loves Spock ears. Uh, and and uh, Spock ears. By the way, if you've seen the movie movie Argo, uh, in the movie Argo, one of the characters is played by um, 
John Goodman. He plays a makeup artist named John Chambers. And John Chambers is actually a real guy. And he did a lot of the makeup work for Planet of the Apes and uh, um, a number of other movies that were very influential in terms of the kinds of makeup that they used. And he invented the Spock ears. And so he's a character in Argo, which is a big kind of a Hollywood hit right now. So uh, in keeping with the sci-fi theme that we've established already, we're moving away from animals now. And this is another picture that I found. This is just disturbing and odd. <laughs> if you're a Star Wars fan uh, now, uh, look at this thing. And with the gun and everything, it just it doesn't seem right. Uh, that would be scary even if it was just lying on the floor, you know, yeah. a folded up costume and somebody tripped across that in the night, it would freak people out. That's Absolutely. Just, that's awesome. Well, I will tell you, if you think that one is creepy and weird, check out this one. It's the costume of a giant fly riding a bicycle. This one's obviously very old, but that one is a mind bender right there. That is uh, creepy. That's the stuff that nightmares are made of right there. Look how thin the legs are compared to the body. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, ah, oh, I love the yeah. wings. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, so that's a good one. Uh, if you're a music fan, and you know everybody likes to listen to music from time to time, you might want to dress up as one of the village people. Here you can dress up as, I guess, the biker. Is that the biker village I person? I think that's the biker, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so you can dress up as the village people. Or this one, you know, say you're going out with a couple of friends and, you know, you don't really know uh, what to, to dress up as. Go to the store. When I was a kid, you know, we didn't spend a lot of money on costumes. And, you know, you just went and got a mask somewhere like these girls have. And I just love the three of them together. <laughs> Colonel Sanders, Spider-Man, Batman. I think this is like a classic picture of Americana. Somewhere in, you know, like Akron, Ohio, these three yeah. girls in about 1967 decided to go out as these three characters. I love this picture. Oh, that's and awesome. Then, yeah. And then finally, uh, I wanted to share this one just because, uh, I mean, well, it's just a weird picture. It's a guy who's dressed up as a castle, and uh, there are little fairies dancing on the end of his pitchfork. And uh, if you see down in his sort of crotch area, he's got tools uh, that are covering uh, or maintaining his modesty. But this is quite an elaborate picture, and I don't know what it's from, but uh, it, it's quite clearly there's been a lot of work put into this, uh, this costume. And then uh, this last picture isn't of uh, a, a costume. It is, it's just, I found it while I was looking for these other pictures, and it's just so weird. This is a Photoshop picture. Now, none of those other pictures had anything to do with Photoshop. Those are all real costumes and, you know, real animals and things dressed up. This picture, what they've done is they've just switched the heads of the two people in this picture, and it makes it just so weird. Oh. Like, weird. And like, isn't that... <laughs> it's the creepy smile on the, the well, yeah. the guy's head on the baby. That's yeah. really just, yeah. oh. And there's a, that, that one doesn't fit the theme. And I just found it and I thought, well, that's a, just a weird, that's a weird picture. Did you get dressed up a lot for Halloween? Was there a particular costume that you wore that was kind of memorable? Uh, no. I, you know, I, I always went out for Halloween. Um, but you know, when, uh, there, there were a couple of things that happened and, and, you know, this sounds like a sob story, but I was always bigger than all the other kids. I got, I've been, I'm, I'm quite tall and I've been this tall since I was young. I started one summer kind of at the same height as everyone else. 
and my class and all my friends. And then by the time, you know, came back to time to go to school, I had grown like a foot and a half. So I towered over everybody. And um, so if I would dress up, people, and I remember people saying this to me, they'd say, oh, you know, one of the older kids are coming out. I'm like, damn it, I'm the same age as everybody else here. <laughs> and so it kind of took some of the fun out of it for me, frankly, a little bit. Um, but uh, no, we used to go up, but you know, it wasn't something that you spent a great deal of money on, and it wasn't something that, for me anyway, that was terribly elaborate. I mean, you you bought a mask or or something. You didn't really, you know, there were no stores that specialized in Halloween costumes like we see today. Uh, you know, that pop up around Halloween, and it, it was it was a much different thing. So no, we I, I didn't spend a lot of time being dressed up. I used to like seeing everybody dressed up, and I still don't really dress up. Well, I, I find that, um, and it might be true of everybody, that the more elaborate costumes tend to be when you're really small and right. when you're much older. The, the in-between part is when your parents kind of get a little lazy, and yeah, that's when you start just wearing a, a mask or a yeah. bag shirt or something like that. Right. Um, I remember being quite upset when I was very little because I wanted to be Peter Pan. Right. And I was cool with that up until the point a friend of mine, uh, his mother was helping out with the costume, and she presented me with a pair of uh, green nylons. Oh. And, <laughs> and because to me, that, that was women's ladies' sort of underwear. I didn't want to wear them. And so it was like, that's it. The costume's off. I don't yeah. want to wear it ever again. Yeah. I'm not wearing ladies' clothing, that kind of thing. But uh, in high school... Okay. Well, uh, you've changed your mind about that now, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, under my black jeans, uh, some you know nylons. Um, a yeah, when, for the people. When I was in high school, I had one really fun costume that didn't quite make too much sense. In that, right. um, I had a friend that actually built a replica of the large two-handed guns that they carried in Aliens. Right. Yeah, and to the point where we actually built a harness that you had to strap on around your waist, and it had an adjustable <laughs> arm. So that it would swing as you'd move it back and forth. Vasquez was the one who powered away with it in Aliens. And he'd actually place buttons and electronics on it so you could make all sorts of sounds and turn on a flashlight. And I had the audacity to bring that to high school and wear it in class. Wow, wow. <laughs> Walking up and down the halls with this very large, massive gun, which I don't think many schools would allow today. Well, no, you'd be uh, suspended until now. Like, it's a comeback when you're, you know, uh, much older because there's no way yeah. they would let you back Yeah. Wow. Well, and here's the thing. I didn't have the rest of the costume to go with it, uh, you know, which would have to be a military outfit, futuristic, and I'm not a military guy. So my, my solution was merely to wear a very long trench coat. So I went to school with a very long trench coat wow. and a five-foot-long uh, wow. semi-automatic gun that actually lit up and, and did all sorts of stuff. And in order to do my classwork, as I would get in, I had to kind of work my way into the seat and then turn the gun around and just sort of prop it on the floor with the arm still holding onto it. Well, then I would kind of work and do notes and hand wow. forth my papers like that. It was really cool. But, You're yeah. lucky you were allowed back, honest to God. The, the, the combination of the trench coat and the giant gun. Yeah, and I, I may have been wearing face makeup. I can't remember what I did, but it would have been pretty menacing. But, yeah, that was one standout costume. Wow. wow <laughs> I yeah. love seeing that kind of work, though. Yeah, so do I. I mean, I really admire people that that put the the effort into it. For me, I, one year I went, uh, uh, I was working in bars back then at Halloween. You know, we were encouraged to dress up, and you know, so I I, I got dressed up as a zombie, 
but I had, it was a very elaborate makeup job that I had done. So I had peeling skin and the whole thing. And, you know, I'll tell you, man, there's nothing worse than being dressed up in a very elaborate costume, having to work in a bar all night, have a couple of drinks afterward, get home at four o'clock in the morning and then have to take it all off. And, the whole, and there's no way you can't sleep in it. You can't, you know, it's just a, it's, it's kind of a terrible thing. And I remember I won the prize for best content for best, uh, uh um, dress up. But I, and I won like a pint bottle of rye. I don't drink rye. I don't like rye. And I thought that was a lot of work. Even when you win, you lose at these things. Like it just, it didn't, didn't, didn't really appeal to me that cool. much. And that's maybe the last time I dressed up in a very elaborate way. And that was 20 years ago. Right. Um, well, this is um, a little off topic from Halloween, but um, timely. This past weekend, in addition to being uh, the zombie walk, it was also the birthday of a man named Andre Geim, who I've been dying to talk about and share. Right. Uh, I think some people may recognize his achievements in that uh, he's best known for levitating frogs. Oh, Yes. But uh, very few people probably know the man himself. And that's kind of what I want to talk about was his birthday because he's awesome. He's somebody that everybody should really uh, be aware of. And right. I would describe him as being a smart-ass genius scientist. Mm. And, uh, you know, such a smart-ass that he often is teased that um, he's the one person most likely to become a, a Bond villain in real life. <laughs> <laughs> he grew up in Russia, so when he talks, he has that very thick... Russian yeah. accent. Yeah. He is a bit of a smart ass, so there's always a bit of a hint that he might be pulling your leg as he's talking right. to you. And he recently won the Nobel uh, Prize for Physics, which means he was awarded $1 million. Ooh. So uh, he's been teased as to whether we're going to see him pointing a laser at the moon anytime soon. Yeah, it's saying $1 million. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's, he's really is awesome. Uh, I mean, the problem with um, scientists who are smart asses, uh, they're very problematic and that you don't know if it's just a class clown, some guy who's a right. bit of a goofball, or if it's somebody who really is uh, terribly brilliant. Unfortunately, right. in his case, it turned out to be uh, very brilliant, but he has a horrible reputation uh, right. <laughs> as being the someone who's constantly challenging things. And part of it is just that he feels uh, that he's driven by curiosity. Right. If his brain seizes upon an opportunity, he wants to go off of that. He does not want to have to be patient and deal with the structure and the discipline and the bureaucracy that often is there. And so uh, his way often that happens with people who are highly intelligent and bored is to do things in a way that sort of annoys uh, everybody else. In fact, he says it's one of the great big pleasures in life, aside from <laughs> eating and drinking, is annoying all your colleagues. That's he funny. does it quite well. But he's known for three very interesting accomplishments. Uh, the first one, uh, after he left Russia, because uh, you know Russia finally opened up its doors thanks to Gorbachev, he came and started working um, over in England. He signed up with uh, one of the local universities. They have a big, huge, massive lab. They had hired him to deal with semiconductors. He got bored, uh, wandered around, and noticed that they had in their laboratory a massive, very expensive, high-field magnet. Very, very expensive piece of machinery. He hadn't been working there for very long, and he decided, why not pour water into it, uh, which is something that you really shouldn't do. You know, uh -huh. Nobody else would do it. The reason he did it was he said he was hearing stories that people were claiming that if you took a magnet and you put it on your faucet, on the tap in your kitchen or in your bathroom, that this would eliminate lime scale buildup. Huh. It's one of those folksy things that get right. passed around. It kind of ties in, again, to superstition, and that nobody was really taking this 
uh, remedy is being serious. And right. when you're dealing with magnets, people claim all sorts of weird stuff. I mean, you yeah. can get magnetic bracelets that are supposed to improve your golf swing, swing and it's absolute nonsense. <laughs> um, but in this case, there were enough stories that it indicated that something might be going on. Right. You know, realistically, no, if you go put a, a magnet on your, your tap, it isn't going to do anything, but it might have indicated that there was something happening between water and minerals. So right. he, you know, in an effort to try to figure it out, thought, hey, I'm bored. This uh, university that hired me has this huge six-figure field magnet. Uh, I'll, when nobody's looking, go take a glass of water and we'll pour it into the magnet. Now, I mean, he's you know not being reckless here. The magnet has a large hole in the middle. And right. his idea was that if I pour the water through the hole, we'll watch as the magnet potentially influences the water and then it'll spill out and we'll clean it up afterwards. Right. And what happened, which was astonishing, was this. Let me pull up the image. That's not the one yet. That's it there. Okay. He opened it, and what happened was the water didn't fall through. Instead, it hung there in midair, floating. Oh, wow. This is called diamagnetism. And the theory is that everything in life is just a little bit magnetic, just right. never enough to really matter. That's right. always been sort of the understanding, and it's kind of the basis for the character Magneto in X-Men, right? right? Uses his magnetic powers, but generally the magnetism is only supposed to affect things that are made out of metal. And so to his shock and surprise, the water literally hovered inside the middle of the magnet. Right. And um, being curious, they then decided, well, let's see what else we can throw in there. And so they started shoving all sorts of things into the magnet. I'll pull up the next image. This is weird to shove back and forth and have grimly behind me. Okay, so he started to put in things like tomatoes. Uh, he would right. put in ice cubes, and they right. began to float. Because, of course, he's, he's thinking maybe it's it's only liquids. No, you know, solids like ice work, uh, tomatoes work. And then eventually, uh, as he began to share this with people, they accused him of faking his results. Right. And so to try to prove that, hey, this is actually what's happening, he put in, here we are, a little, started to throw in grasshoppers. And hamsters oh, really? and spiders. Wow! Uh, anything that was sort of small enough to fit into the hole. And what he found was that uh, they <laughs> actually would levitate. They wouldn't fall all the way through. Like the water, they would actually sit there suspended in midair. Uh, wow. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, the, the images that he's most famous for, if I can pull up, is I guess we'll go with that one there. It's a little hard to see. Let's try this one. Okay are the frogs. He ended up right. grabbing little tiny frogs and um, of course I can't show video here but right. I'll link to it on our website and if you see the video these little frogs are just rotating and revolving in midair. Their arms They're just are floating. floating back and forth. They're just floating. Uh, and this is nothing special other than it's just a lot of magnetic power that has surrounded the frog from all sides and that's enough to lift him up into the air and cause him to literally levitate. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, like how much, though? I mean, uh, is the frog the biggest thing you could put in there? Or could you uh, put a human in there and let it happen? Uh, he said uh, he was limited to the hole and the uh, machine was only this big. Right. And so right. anything that they could kind of fit in there. Although he said he would, he'd be willing to put himself in there if he could fit in there. And wow. I guess the problem is um, trying to get enough money to raise and create a large enough magnet machine. Because, you know, this is a machine about the size of... 
upper room that can yeah. kind of produce that high field energy. And then you could potentially levitate a person. Um, wow. When he uh, did this, <laughs> when he did this, it, it made him famous. Lots of newspapers yeah. published images and such, but within the scientific community, they weren't too sure what to make of it. They thought this was silly, it was childish, it was a joke. What yeah. is the real use here? Uh, in fact, he ended up being, uh, he won the Ig Nobel Prize. And the yeah. Ig Nobel Prize is where they all wear funny hats and yeah, they yeah. awards to the craziest thing. Uh, so, you know, uh, he ended up finishing his time at that particular laboratory hunted around to see if anybody else would hire him. There was a lot of debates as to whether this guy really has much of a future. Manchester University surprised everybody by grabbing him because they understood right. that if he could make this levitate, there are potentials to it. And in fact, right. there are now research to see if you can actually create things that can produce levitation. So he ended up, while he was there, he did what's called Friday night experiments. He was hired once again to do one thing, but on Friday nights would gather his team together and they would just sort of spitball various different ideas. Right. And one of the things he was interested in was geckos and the way that geckos can climb the walls. Right. And so he took a look at the little tiny hairs that make up the surface of a gecko's feet and decided, right. can we reproduce that? They spent time, they created a little material that had little tiny hairs, and sure enough, they invented gecko tape which is now being uh, in development. Gecko wow. tape, right? It's amazing. What they've done is they can, they've made enough tape that they can put it onto a Spider-Man action figure and stick him on any wall or window. Uh, they've been working wow. at it. He says the problem is that the tape, once you've stuck it and unstuck it a couple of times, it starts to disintegrate. Yeah. So it has very limited use at this point. He says he's tried to hang a student out of a window, and it didn't work. <laughs> but, again, they're working on that. So now yeah. he has two different industries that are kind of growing. One is trying to work on levitating things. The other one is developing gecko tape to allow people like you and I to be able to climb walls and climb buildings and that kind of stuff. Wow. Uh, again, they hired him to keep working on things like semiconductors and super coolants, but he would do these Friday night experiments. And this is where he came up with the experiment that I want to talk about that's going to change the world. Everybody talks to me about technology. What's the future? Right. It's this guy, Andre Geim, uh, did something that was just the kind of thing that drives everybody else on the planet insane. Because right. this is a discovery you could make, I could make, anybody could make. Uh, he created a new material called graphene. And graphene is derived from uh, graphite in a, a pencil. Right. So he took the uh, a typical lead pencil that everybody has. I don't have one, but you got one there, right? So the, on the very tip, we have to, you'll have to say something so the camera switches over to you. Oh, uh, right here. Yeah, I've got the pen right here with the punk rocker uh, eraser on the top. Nice. But, uh, yeah, very here's cool. the pencil right here. Yeah. And so he was interested in the graphite as to whether you can make a new material out of right. it. And part of the process is to make that material as thin as humanly possible. And he noticed something interesting. If you took that pencil and you put it to a piece right. of scotch tape, and you pull the scotch tape away, it actually left little bits right. of like the graphite on, right. on the, the tape. There was a residue. And that was interesting to him. You might get that off of fiber from like clothing. You might get it off of something organic like bread. But for a material that's kind of like, you know, metal or mineral in basis, that's really kind of weird. Yeah. And so he took the tape and huh. he folded it in half. And then he unfolded it. And he knows that it split in half once again. Then they did it again, did it again, did it again. They right. did this process and they got down to a layer of graphite that it was only one atom thin. <sighs> <laughs> wow. Wow. And you could put it under a microscope, you could examine it, he could then take out just the graphite, 
and they created a material that was one atom thin. So then they started to play around with it to see what kind of properties that it has. And I, I mean, this has blown people away. Uh, they've been testing it out. They've got prototype versions of graphite, uh, graphene. Uh, it is now the strongest material known. Stronger than steel, 200 times stronger than steel. It uh, is transparent because it's only one atom thin. Right. And so there actually are uh, industries looking into using it for the next touchscreen devices that are out there. Right, right, right. It is toxic to bacteria. So if you can actually fit it on parts of your body, it would actually keep you sanitized. It is flexible, despite the fact that it's 200 times stronger than steel. Uh, it has the properties of being able to trap sound. And there are militaries that are looking at turning it into a sonic cloak. Right, right. Uh, it also, the properties of the actual material will change to based on what other types of materials you put it on top of. Again, right. because it's so thin. Uh, it is looked right now as being the next substitute for silicon. And so will be the new basis for all the chips that we have and the next generation of computers that are out there. Uh, this is one man's little achievement that is liable to be as influential in the world as Alan Turing was with computers, uh, with the way that Steve Jobs has been celebrated in terms right. of you know, uh, touchscreens and iPhones. So this one Russian guy who loves to tick off everybody that's out there has come up with three revolutions that are out there. He got the Nobel Prize in Physics for creating graphene and is the only person in the world to have won both an Ig Nobel Prize yeah. for levitating frogs and a yeah. Nobel Prize for graphene. So wow. uh, it was his birthday this past weekend and uh, to all smart ass scientists who can become Bond villains, I salute you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and maybe he's uh, what you should dress up for as Halloween this year. I should. I should walk around with a little frog in between my hands that's on the right. string, that's levitating right. there with the arms kind of, yeah, that's a good idea. That's I'm always <laughs> thinking. I'm always thinking, well, if you're at home this year and you don't want to go out for Halloween because you don't always want to... Uh, uh, you know, go out if you want to stay home and, you know, hand out candies and that kind of thing. You might want to rent some movies. So I just thought I'd do a, a, a very quick run-through of some Canadian horror movies. Mm -hmm. We always think, oh, you got to rent, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or you have to rent one of the American, let's like, say, classic universal horror movies. We make a lot of cool horror movies in Canada. And one of the things that we do here is kind of reinterpret uh, things really in an interesting way. So uh, Bruce McDonald uh, sort of reinterpreted uh, the zombie idea with a movie called Pontypool a little while ago. And Pontypool is a cool movie because it's about a virus that is spread that turns people into this kind of fugue state, walking undead kind of thing. But the movie happens entirely within a radio station, and it isn't until, and this doesn't give anything away, I think it's in the trailers along, it isn't until about halfway through the movie that they realize that the DJ who was reporting on this and the people that are in with him, that the virus is being spread with their language. The words that they say contain the virus. It's a really cool idea for a movie, and it's a twist on the usual kind of horror film uh, and, and, and uh, um, sort of, you know, zombie movie idea. Uh, the Brood is another movie that uh, um, doesn't really sort of reinvent things so much, except that it takes the creepy kid movie to kind of another level. Um, the Brood stars Art Hindle, uh, who everybody knows from ENG and that sort of thing, Oliver Reed, who, you know, I'll give myself a plug, Raising Hell, Ken Russell and the Unmaking of the Devils is out there right now. And Ken, uh, Oliver Reed started that. He also stars in The Brood and Samantha Egar, 
And um, the, 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 the brood refers to these creepy kids that Samantha Egar sort of gives birth to on these pods that grow on the outside of her body. And it's a completely original, totally creepy uh, horror film directed by uh, David Cronenberg. So highly, highly recommended. The brood it's is kind awesome. Kind of like uh, what Carrie was to puberty or to, to having your period. The right. brood is like what's going through a divorce. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in Cronenberg's films, you know, like, uh, you know, all great horror films and all great science fiction movies and all great sports movies, it's not about the thing that you think it's about. It's always about something else that is a bit more universal, a bit more uh, likely to really affect you. So The Brood's a great movie. Also, uh, check out, if you can find it, Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer. Jack Brooks' uh, Monster Slayer is... Um, a, a, a cool movie about a young guy that witnesses the brutal murder of his family and his life is destroyed and all he has left is an unquenchable fury that he tries to uh, control. Um, it's really interesting. It's low budget, but will scare you. It'll make you laugh. It's a cool, cool movie. So it's a little triple bill there for yourself. Bruce McDonald's Pontypool, The Brood from David Cronenberg and Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer are three kind of cool movies. If you're looking for something to warm yourself up, have a look at Black Christmas, which is another great uh, Canadian, directed by an American, but uh, a great Canadian horror film that kind of gave birth to the whole Halloween movie that season, uh, that, that whole uh, series. Uh, John Carpenter you know, I think must have on some level been uh, influenced by this movie a little bit when he made the Halloween movies because they're fantastic. So those are a few suggestions for you uh, to get you in the mood for the season. Now, do you um, do you spend Halloween ever watching uh, a horror film? Is it something you would pull well, it on? Or? Yeah, this well, this year I'm not exactly. It's on a Wednesday. Ah, yeah, know, you know, like it's sort of a weird. I don't know. On the weekend, uh, we are going to go see The Exorcist on the big screen. We're going to go see The Exorcist in the theater. And, you know, very likely, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I've seen all the new horror films. Uh, you know, there's uh, Sinister is out. It's really good, but I've seen it. So I, I think what, I, uh, what I'll try and do is pinpoint uh, uh, if uh, we do decide to go to the movies, and I think we, we likely will. I know that there's a double bill of Dracula and Frankenstein playing uh, on the big screen, downtown Toronto, and I plan on being there for Halloween. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds Hi, this is Chris. It was at this point in our show that we lost connection to the Google Plus servers. Thankfully, after a few minutes, we came back. Stuff there to uh, check out. So, hey, I've just been talking. I just sent you an email Thank to you. see whether you're coming back. I just kept talking. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, as I was saying, go out to heyallyouzombies.com. Check out uh, uh, all the stuff that's there. There's videos, there's links, there's things to click on. Plus, there's a poll every week. Uh, and what we've been doing all month, this month, is comparing sort of a monster brawl, monster battle, comparing various monsters, uh, and then. Uh, Next week, I guess we will unveil the 2012 Monster of the Year or Creepy Crawly Thing of the Year. Yeah, what we did last week, we asked you to choose between Aliens and Predator. Yes. And uh, I've checked the poll, and we thank everyone who uh, voted. It was unanimous. Uh, everyone chose Aliens. Uh, uh, so poor nobody likes the Predator. Nobody likes the Predator. 
Uh, and the Predator's the odd man out. Yeah. Uh, and so there we go. We've got our three choices, which means that uh, today I will put on HailYouZombies.com a new poll that will list the winners of the last three weeks right. and ask you to vote one more time. And so next week, in the last week of October, the one just before Halloween, we'll announce what was the best Halloween monster uh, for this year. Right. So that'd be cool. And, and your choices are uh, it's, it's Jaws, it's Frankenstein, and it's Alien. So that should be a very tough choice to try to choose between those three. Yeah, I mean, they're all so different. I mean, I think what we've done all the way along is chosen, you know, like kind of creatures. In the first week, it was like Frankenstein and Dracula. Well, the classic, you know, universal thing. And, and we went from there. So now we've, we've narrowed it down. So we've got these very different kinds of creatures or scary, oogie things uh, that are sort of battling one another. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for uh, tuning in, and we'll see you next week. And if you have any thoughts, any ideas, any suggestions, by all means, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to hear them. Uh, if you got superstitions, you know, share it because you know it's fan it, There you go. Or if you got a skull in your house, we'd yes. love to get a photo of it. Yes, send us pictures of you and your skull. We'll put them on HeyAllYouZombies.com. <laughs> all right. Goodbye. See you later.